Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, baby. Uh, Tom is protesting in the hallway because he is mad that the mics got moved. Mm-hmm. But we're back. Well, we are back. Uh, I do want to tell you guys that I did find out that they were saying that a big reason. Remember we were talking about app, why people and apps were getting divorced mm-hmm. more often? They're saying that uh, the results revealed that couples who met online tended to be younger, had more dating experience, and were more likely to be same-sex or interracial marriages that those who had met offline. And I feel like the key there is you getting married young. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that would be... So, like, yeah. this article's really long, and I would kind of comb through it during the commercial break, and I'm like, I think that's the big thing that they were looking for in this article. Yeah, it's not necessarily that they... Because they met online that they're yeah. unhappy, it's that there's a lot of other societal pressures and other things that are typically going on in the types of relationships that start online. And I think it's also true that a lot of people... Uh, my my just personal findings is that there are a lot of people you meet uh, on a dating app who are very determined to get married. Oh, I mm-hmm. see. So it's like they will force, they will ignore the red flags. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a I good mean, point. most of us do anyway, but yeah. yeah. Are you guys talking about, oops, I don't have a mic. There we go. Now I do. I tell you, our timing on this show really sucks. <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah, we are going to work on it, believe me. Anyway, so what you guys thought, you talking about what now? I was kind of summing up that one article we were reading about why people on dating apps tend to get divorced earlier. Oh, because we were talking about, like, last hour we were talking about that same story? Yeah, but I think, okay. I think we do have the caller ready. Terry's back. Marvelous. Terry's ready to go. Terry Muir, how you doing, Terry? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Magnificent. In honor of the 35th anniversary of the groundbreaking true crime series Unsolved Mysteries, Film Rise and Cosgrove uh, Muir uh, Productions have joined forces to release an all-new documentary tribute special. Got to be honest with you, Terry, I don't know that I've ever missed an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Is that kind of <laughs> sad? No, I think it's wonderful. You're You're like many of our fans. We have... I think Unsolved Mysteries has the best fans and the best viewers um, out there. Uh, I, I, that's the reason. It's the fans that are the reason that the show has been on for 35 years, I think. God, you had Robert Stack. You had so many great ho- How many different hosts were there? Just uh, two or three, something like that? Uh, we did specials first. We produced oh, yeah. uh, seven specials for NBC, and the first one was hosted by Raymond Burr. The next one was uh, Carl Malden, and then Bob Stack took over and and finished the very long run <laughs> of 11 seasons. God, that is, like I said, I, I've never seen the ones with the first two, though. Are they still available? You know, those aren't. Those are I not Those so, are not yeah. available. That's too bad. I would have loved to see Raymond Burr doing Unsolved Mysteries. He got very serious, oh, I bet, yeah. huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was, he was, uh, he was fun to work with. You know, it's inter- he, had, he had very strong ideas about how how it should be done, though. It was <laughs> no, <laughs> but it was <laughs> but it was at the beginning, so we were you know we we listened. No, I did. I, I tell you what, Oscar, I, I I never saw the original two there you were talking about, but you know, obviously a lot of Robert Stack, all the rest of it. And what's kind of interesting to me, and I thought about this much later in life, I didn't think about it at first, but I thought to myself, why do I like watching a show where they don't solve the mystery? You know, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I think so. I mean, but I think that's one of the, the hallmarks of the show is that they are mysteries. Yeah. Is that people want to come back and it gives you something to talk about. You know, you, you finish the show and you go, well, wait a minute, what, who do you think did it? I don't know who you think did it or what, which theory do you come down on? Um, I, I think that, I think people love mysteries because they're kind mm-hmm. of brain challenges, but I also think that... Because we were solving the cases, people came back because it's like, oh, okay, that one got solved, and that's who did it, um, and they, they got closure. The viewers got closure. The families certainly got closure, but so did the viewers. 
Yeah, a lot of, uh, I don't know the number, but there were a number of cases in Minnesota on unsolved mysteries. The most famous one probably being the, the college kid up at St. John's, I think it was St. John's University. That was a big, big mm-hmm. story. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that was a big one. Um, yeah, I wish that one could get solved. That's that's an, uh, one of the older, colder cases. It was about 20 years old. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have a number uh, close to how many were eventually solved? Were, were some of them solved? Oh, yes, um, 260, probably 25 to 30% of all the cases really? so really? have been solved. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Those are most of those are wanted fugitives uh, and that were brought in and lost. What we called lost loves, where we're families were looking for a lost loved one, you know, that had been torn apart by war or um, adoption or something like that. We re- reunited those people. We don't have as many of those cases that come in anymore now because you've got the you've got social media, which we didn't have before, so right. people can find each other um, now. And um, you have Ancestry.com and Twenty Three and Me. These the DNA testing, and you can find people that way, too. So it's interesting. You know, in 35 years, technology has really evolved in so many ways. Yeah, no question about that. I, I just uh, Whose idea was Unsolved Mysteries in the first place? <laughs> um, we had, I had produced a documentary about missing adults for HBO, mm. and that show actually found someone. That was, I think, in 1982. And um, that... We pitched then uh, the idea of, of missing persons cases to NBC and produced three shows, and those shows found a couple of people. And then we said, okay, well, let's broaden this out. If we can use the media to solve these cases, um, we just came up with every kind of mystery we possibly could, including paranormal, because those yeah, it's a mystery. Ghosts and, mm-hmm. and UFOs and miracles. Um, so... Um, yeah, so we just we just came up with as many mysteries as we could and, and put, we, we had usually four stories in each hour and then hopefully an update from a case that had been solved or at least some, some updated information. Um, so there was a little something for everyone, I think, in each episode, and that's why one of the reasons we think the show has been successful, too, because it's, it's, uh, it's got a variety of cases. There's a lot of true crime shows out there right now, but a lot of them, you know, they're focused on one particular type of, type of crime, like missing persons or or a murder, but um, we, we provided quite the variety. Terry, are there, are there some cases maybe involving little children or whatever that you've just decided, well, this is just too sad, we can't even, it's too sad to even do this one. You ever run into that problem? You know, I, there, were, there, there are those cases. I know the mm-hmm. audience, it's, it's very hard to watch a case about, about harm that has come to a child. Yes. If we yes. felt like the case was solvable, um, we would we would still do it, um, but those are those are harder those are harder to watch. We didn't we didn't want to. One of the ch- most challenging parts of producing the series was having to choose which cases we were going to do. Thousands of cases came into us, and they still are being submitted. Sadly, there's still a lot of unsolved mysteries cases out there. Um, but that was the hardest part was was saying yes to one case and saying no to another. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but. Um, you know, if, if we felt like there, that we could could help, that was always important. If we felt like we could help, we would want to do those cases, well, Just, even though they were hard to watch. So if we're going to watch Unsolved Mysteries Behind the Legacy, it's available everywhere October 19th, correct, on all major platforms? Is that right? October 5th, of course, today on Pluto. Yes, today is exactly the 35th anniversary of the launch of Unsolved back on NBC in uh, 1988. The very first, uh, obviously, I don't remember. I, I think I've seen just about every show you guys have ever done because <laughs> I really do like the show. I find it fascinating the way you guys handle the cases and all that. What was the very first one? Uh, well, the first solve we solved the case in the first very first episode oh, of okay. a woman who had disappeared, and people had thought that she had gone out on a date that had gone wrong. And back then, they didn't have dating apps. It was you found matches through the personals ads, uh, and she had, had been involved in the personals. But um, uh, uh, somebody who worked in a morgue after the show aired contacted us and said that a Jane Doe had come in, and um, it turned out that this was, this, this was that woman, Gail Delano. So that was the first, the, first, uh, the first case that got solved in the first episode that aired. Terry, what does law enforcement think of the show? Because i got to believe that, that people are coming... F- 
forward with all kinds of family problems, may, may, maybe some date back 20, 30 years, and they're asking you guys, they're asking the cops. I mean, they're obviously looking for, for help to get some clue what happened to their relative. I mean, there's got to be thousands of those cases that, that can never be solved. That's got to be tough. You know, law enforcement, I think, was first hes- first hesitant because they didn't yeah. know yep. quite what Unsolved could accomplish. Um, but once we started solving cases, we had a lot of law enforcement who still come to us and say, hey, can you do this this case? We have a great relationship with law enforcement because we work very closely with them in trying to trying to solve the case. Um, and we don't put, you know, put out any clues that they don't want out. Um, and we respect their 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 thoughts and their feelings about the case, but but they do they do come to us um, all all aspects of law enforcement, FBI, um, Department of Justice, local law enforcement, uh, local law enforcement agencies, because they know they know that we can we can help. It's not if a, if a crime has just happened, you know, a few weeks ago, law enforcement is much more hesitant to yeah. have us get involved. But in on these colder cases where they don't have any more leads coming in. They know that we can generate leads, and that's what they need to solve the case. So um, we all work together. Uh, and hey, hey, wait a minute. Could we say that again? Could you say those words, we all work together, because maybe the United States should hear that right now? <laughs> we all work together. <laughs> Thank you. To try and Thank solve you. these cases. Honest to God, I watch. We should all we should all work together. We should all. That's a good good way to put it. We should all work together. Is there one of the cases that, that popped up that even you kind of went, you know, I, I don't know. It, some of them have to be way too sad to even put on television, I would think. I don't know. I think it, it's not about too sad. It's about how solvable is it. Yeah, true. Um, Yep. That's really that's really what what the what the bar was. Some of the cases were were incredibly sad, but uh, we never that was never one of our criteria. You know, we looked for cases uh, that involved obviously different types of categories of mysteries and and different locations around the country and diversity of character. Um, um, uh, so we did have kind of a you know kind of a criteria, but but sad was sad was never never it because. You know, who's to judge sad? Uh, you know, if, if I, I can't speak to the, it's the family members and the people that are involved in the mysteries. Uh, you know, it's it's sad for everyone when they have an unsolved mystery in their lives. Um, I could see that. Hard to yeah. quantify that. I think that might be one of the reasons why people love that show so much, uh, because I, I thought about that a few times over the years. I mean, all the years of watching Unsolved Mysteries, you do learn, hey, maybe my life is not as bad as I thought it was. I didn't have to deal with something like this. I think, for me at least, part of it is kind of very helpful because you realize how lucky you are in your own life. I think so. I, I think that's true. We tried to create, you know, relatable. We wanted to find characters and people you know, that, that our audience could relate to. You know, that, that could happen to me. What if that happened to me? Or I hope that doesn't happen to me. Um, I like to think that you can't quantify this, but I like to think that a certain number of um, people were maybe kept out of harm's way because mm-hmm. of the cautionary tales of unsolved mysteries. I know my kids were inundated with cautionary tales about how not to become an unsolved mystery growing up. They probably are scarred for life. I um, bet that's yeah, as Minnesotans, we uh, had, when I was a kid, Jacob Wetterling yeah. scarred a whole generation oh, yeah, of parents. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, Jacob's case. Ugh. Yeah, well, that got solved. Yes, it yeah, did, it eventually. Did. Yeah, yeah. It took a long time, but it did. Yeah, yeah, it did take a long time. <laughs> but that just goes to show you, Jacob's case is a really good example. You just, the other thing we hope that, you know, people have is hope that these cases can get solved. You just never know um, where that tip's going to come from, where that lead's going to come from. And, and so, we've been surprised, uh, <laughs> for sure, over the years, Um when a case has gotten solved, didn't see that coming, but you know, we're thrilled. God, for years, Terry, I did uh, public service announcements, and it all started with the Wetterling family calling me and saying, Tom, would you mind cutting some videos for us, cutting some, some ads wow. we're going to run on radio stations and television stations? i be honest with you, Terry, and I don't know if you probably have to deal with this as well, to be in the presence of a mother and a father that have lost their son like Jacob Wetterling, the Wetterling family, just wonderful people. 
that was very, very hard. I can kind of understand dealing with this stuff because you meet with the families, I'm sure. Uh, it's got to be hard. It is hard. I still remember back in 19, I guess it was 1982, one of the you know, first that uh, HBO documentary that I mentioned um, was about missing missing people. And there was a case that uh, Johnny Gosh out of oh, Des Moines, sure. Iowa, yep. a paper boy that disappeared, and, and we profiled that case. And I spent Thanksgiving with that with the Gosh family, and Johnny had just recently disappeared. That's I think about that case often because... Uh, it just tore that family apart, and it was it was it, it is hard. It is hard, but but uh, but they have. I think that we give people hope. Um, they feel if they've done unsolved and it's gone nation, their story's gone nationwide. I, I think that people people feel like they've done everything they can, you know. And that's that. There's a certain comfort in knowing that you've done everything you can to try and get resolution to this case. And I know. Um, Noreen and John, gosh, they, mm-hmm. they, did, they did everything they could, but it still just tore, tore the family apart. I don't think you, you recover from that. So it, it is hard. I've sat and, and done interviews and just cried with the people that I'm interviewing. Sure, it, sure. Um, I get very emotional about these cases. <laughs> no, I understand, Terry, because like I said, I, yeah. it ended up because of the Weatherland case that I started doing a lot of voiceover for missing children and people. Mm-hmm. That, there was one case where a young, uh, a young kid, I believe is 16 years old, died from huffing. So <clears throat> those people approached me and said, would you cut a bunch of PSAs talking about the dangers of huffing and all the rest of it? And we did. So, yeah, it was for years, probably 30 years, I was the voice of all, you know, the missing children things and all this and all the rest of it. And I'll never forget, I, I, there was a young man that lost his 16-year-old son to huffing, and I cut all the PSAs for him. And about six months later, I ran into him, the father. And I remember, and you've probably been through this, Terry, and that's why I'm bringing it up. I walked up to him and said hello to him, and I said, how you doing? And he paused, and he looked at me and said, Tom, how do you think I'm doing? Dang. Yeah. Oh, God, Terry. Gut punch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Terry, it yeah, was tough. Yeah, you just can't get, get past that. Um, but I think that, you know, I think missing persons cases are probably the toughest because you just don't know. Um, yep. You know, there is closure if it's a murder case, as sad as it is. But you want the closure. You want justice. Um, and, and people, you know, the, 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 the stories that we produced 35 years ago, um, you know, I, I think about those cases because some of those mm-hmm. people are passing away now. And they're, they're, they're dying without the closure that we hoped that we'd be able to bring. Um, and that makes me sad. That does make me sad. You just wish you could solve every single case. Terry, I have to close with this because I'm looking at the uh, descriptor for the interview in honor of the 35th anniversary of the groundbreaking true crime series Unsolved Mysteries, Film Rise, and Cosgrove Muir. Uh, Productions have joined forces to release an all-new documentary tribute special exploring the history and long-lasting impact of one of the longest-running true crime series. The program will stream free beginning today on Pluto TV and on all major platforms on October 19th in the United States. And at the bottom of that page... I love it. I think we just lost Terry there. Yeah. Yes, we did. To her next interview, I understand. So good I can say this without her uh, being around. There's a picture of Terry standing next to the Unsolved Mysteries logo, mm-hmm. and she's got a smile on her face. And there's another picture of her, same logo. She looks pissed off as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's time to get to business. Yeah, look at it. Look at that second oh, picture. Oh, hell yeah. She looks like she's mattered in a sumbitch. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Get it, Terry. But I do, I'll tell you, I remember I, for literally 25, 30 years, I did a lot of those. I cannot tell you how, what that takes out of you because you're there for a couple of hours cutting PSAs for every nope. market in the United States. Nope. and yeah. You can't do it. Nope, I can't. It even, was even, tough. Even that interview when you asked about kids stuff, I was like, nope, don't let your brain go there, Brittany. I was like, rainbows <laughs> yeah, and sunshine. Yeah, I can't, yep. I can't, I can't even imagine. Right. I Even before having a kid, I can't even imagine. I just... I just can't. I can't. We can't even talk. We should talk about something fun. All right. We'll close with, again, that guy that I ran into. Oh, God. You could tell by looking at him, he was never going to get over it. No. Never going to happen. That's the thing I think a lot of people. That was fun, Dad. Thank you. A lot of people don't Well, I just thought I'd point out that people have a lot harder lives than we do. Yes, they have. They do. I'm grateful the life I've got. So anyway, Mike, what were you saying? Well, I was just saying, it, it's hard for people to understand what trauma does to a human being oh, if they haven't been through it. This is true. No, I think you're absolutely right. You, unless you've been through it, you have no idea what the hell that's all about. Yeah. And I think about that all the time. I got, you know, I, I adore my wife, our son, our daughter, 
the grandchildren, uh, you know, it's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. And you look at these people and these people will never know what that's all about. And that part's been taken away from them. They not only lost their child, they lost their grandchildren someday. Yeah. Uh, what, I've, what I always tell people is what I learned by being around a lot of people who had, um, who had lost, lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. In, that, in, in that case, it was to suicide. But the thing right. is, you know, the thing people don't understand is, yes, you, 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 um, you go on. But you don't move on. No, you're absolutely right about that. You do not move. They do not move on, and that's just a fact. This goes all the way back, and I suppose maybe this is where my interest in the in the cases came from. Uh, Aldrich and in 26th North Minneapolis by Farview Park over there. There were three brothers that lived in a house just a couple of couple of doors down from the park. The three boys went over to play at Fairview Park. Farview Park. Some people say some Fairview. Um, never came home, hmm. all three of them. And I, they interviewed, this is late, much later in life because the mother was still alive. And they went and interviewed her because it had been like, I don't know, the 30 or 40th anniversary or some damn thing. And they went and interviewed the mother. Hmm. And they, they asked, well, how do you, how do you handle this to today? She goes, well, no different than I ever have. Yeah. And they said, what do you mean by that? She said, I still think they're going to walk through the door someday. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know what happened to them. So maybe they could walk through the door someday, I suppose. But I will never forget how sad that was. She just said, I don't know. Maybe they'll come home one day. Stop. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to like, hear about I that just get, I just, if I let my mind go there, <laughs> I, I just, know. And yeah. so I literally keep it all very surface level. Even these stories, I go, don't let this, like, infiltrate your actual, like, Thoughts, because as soon as it starts dripping down to my thoughts, I go, mm-hmm. "Oh, I just can't imagine though, wondering if they're ever going to come home. What happened to them if yep. they had peace?" Yeah. yeah. Well, and it doesn't even matter like how careful you are. There's a show that I think it's on Amazon, maybe, but anyway, it's called uh, "Text Me When You Get Home," oh. and it's essentially a bunch of stories about women that are kidnapped. And there was a family that, like, their daughter went off to college. They helped essentially, like secure her apartment they got her a job on the apartment complex so that way she didn't have to worry about you know going all over town and potentially getting kidnapped and still got kidnapped by one of her co-workers that she worked with in her own apartment complex so it's yeah no matter how careful you are you still are going to be potentially a victim no you gotta you gotta be very careful you're absolutely and even like you just said even that doesn't work sometimes no which is very very sad uh i've got a couple of seconds of Oh, actually, we could go to break right now. I thought we had a couple of seconds, but apparently we can go to break right now because we got Kristen Burt coming up right after this. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. Listen live on the Tom Bernard Show app or at TomBernardShow.com. What can Hubbard Interactive do for your business? Let's take a listen and find out what they did for one local company, Steve the Window Guy. I'm Sally and I'm a digital brand strategist here at Hubbard Interactive. We met with Melissa from Steve the Window Guy and she was looking for help with their video advertising strategy. So we helped build a comprehensive plan for streaming TV and YouTube ads. And Melissa, tell us how it's been getting your message out with help from Hubbard Interactive. I've been working with them for five years and what I've learned is that they have both the experience and the depth inside their team to help me solve any creative marketing challenge that I've got. So over the years, I've moved from streaming TV to YouTube ads, and now we're moving towards SEO. And I'm loving the results that I'm seeing. Is there anything else you want business owners out there to know about Hubbard Interactive? I am so grateful for the entire team at Hubbard Interactive for effortlessly understanding our business and our marketing vision, and then always delivering only the best results. To find out how our experts can help your business grow, get in touch today at HubbardInteractive.com. Cashback is not available on gas New Jersey and Wisconsin. This is Matt Crowder live at the gas station on 41st Street reporting on those skyrocketing gas prices. Excuse me, miss. Are you buying less gas now because of the high prices? Oh, I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. Well, does that actually add up to anything? I've made around $200. Wow. Well, there you have it. Stop paying full price for gas. Download the free Upside app and get real cash back every time you buy gas. This is Matt Crowder Radio News Network. Download the free Upside app now to earn real
real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SMILE for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, to PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SMILE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SMILE. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. Introducing 24-7 lifeguard protection, only from Simply Safe Home Security. Now, monitoring agents can see and speak to intruders through our new indoor camera to help stop crime in real time and for fast police response. Get 20% off any new system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash radio. Advanced home security, 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There's no safe like Simply Safe. If this were a Reese's TV ad, you'd be staring at a Reese's peanut butter cup. And sure, my voice is peanut buttery smooth, but still, you need to see the peanut butter cups, right? No? I can really just say Reese's and you'll go get some? Okay. Reese's. 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 Really working, actually. Reese's. Reese's. This, I'm on to something. Reese's. 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 All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. we got a special, I think we have a special guest coming in at 10.30. I told him to come in early, but uh, hopefully that, that'll happen. No question about that. We've got a very special guest right now. I have to read you, Kristen Burt, a headline in the Star Tribune this morning. Okay. Because I cannot believe people are this stupid. Okay, you ready? Yes. Click it or ticket. 1,125 Minnesota motorists didn't wear their seatbelt and were cited in a crackdown. Why the hell would you not wear your seatbelt? There's Tell no you want You want freedom. Oh, you want freedom. How can you have your freedom if you're wearing a seatbelt? So freedom from the car and like, seat. You don't want to look like a nerd. <laughs> no. right. Next thing you know, you'll be getting the polio vaccine. Yeah, yeah what the hell? What? I just, I, <laughs> 1,125 Minnesota motorists were not wearing a seatbelt and got a ticket. How, that means how many got away? Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Jeez. What percentage of people don't ever wear one? Why would you do that to yourself? I have no idea. It's such an automatic thing. Like, yeah, it is. I've never not worn my seatbelt. I've yep. never not worn my seatbelt. I bet you it's older people. You think so? I bet it I is. I wonder. I would love I mean, to see 1100 isn't really that much in the grand scheme of things, yeah, though. but I mean, Jesus. But what about, like, young guys, like, under 25? Ah, like, maybe. There's a lot of that going on, too. They're just too tough tough guy to wear a yeah. seatbelt. There's a reason why insurance prices are expensive for men under 25. Right. Oh, you know what? I just literally was talking to a person about about insurance out in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was telling me, quoting me some of these prices. Insurance is a little spendy now. Holy God. I mean, I don't know. How, how can people even pay for all these different, insur- different insurances you need? I, the average person doesn't have that kind of money. What are they going to do about that? A lot of people don't do anything. They just don't do anything. Right. They just don't get insurance on Hold anything. Hold your breath and hope everything works out. Oh. And I, I had a three-and-a-half-year struggle with an insurance company, and which only reinforced what I knew anyway, which is that they will not sell you insurance if you need it. <laughs> that's, right. that's the outcome. Well, yeah, they, right. want, they want to give you insurance if you don't need it because yeah. then they make the most money. Yeah, that's you the get, idea. You get penalized for using your insurance. It's yeah. like, oh, well, you have been in too many accidents. We're going to drop you or raise your rates to the point where you can't pay it anyway. I get Well, that's exactly what they, they were talking about on the hallway. Hmm. I told you there was a special hey. guest coming in. Uh-oh. Dougie. Uh-oh. Oh. Get away from me. Is there a check in there? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Look at this. Murray's. One of my favorite restaurants sure. in the world. You brought. How old is this stuff, Dougie? It's got to be. It's got to be from the. I don't think I'm on. You're on. Yep, now, you're on. Yeah. It's oh, got to be from the '60s. I think. Can you not hear yourself? Oh, we can you hear you. Turn his, his yeah, just turn him up a little bit. Huh. Is that yours? Are yours? Nope. 
That one's mine. Whoa. Ooh, I've got yeah, it. That was loud. Little Look at loud. That. Charlie's Cafe. Mm-hmm. There we go. There now we, can we hear. go. Now you can you. hear. No Thank problem. you for this. Do you ever have one of those uh, butter knife steaks? And steaks I got a booth over there. <laughs> I don't think you're going to sit in it. Last time I saw Sydney alive, yeah. probably about six months before he passed away at 100 years old, I was at Murray's. I was having dinner with four of my... You were there. I was there. It was you, you there. and me and Chesky and Bryant. That's right. It was Michael, Bryant, Chesky, you and me. And remember what, what Sydney said to me when he walked by? Yeah, get the fuck out of my booth. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. That's uh, my booth. What are you doing? He was, it. He was never known as a happy diner. No, he was not a happy. You're right about that. I miss Sydney, though. God, I thought Sydney was a piece of work, wasn't he? Well, there was a listener that the podcast that dropped that off in Wisconsin said, Give this to Tommy. His card's inside that is there. so great. Oh, that is nice. Murray's Restaurant and Cocktail Lounge. I might have had a cocktail at Murray's once in <laughs> once my life. Once or twice. Once or twice <laughs> in my life. Oh, God, there are pictures of the dining room. Murray's. Used, remember when Murray's used to have that big sign? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You remember yeah. how long ago that was? Yeah. That huge sign. You see that, ladies and gentlemen? And then across right the here. street, I'm trying to remember, there, there's a restaurant across the street. It was, a, it, was a, it was a Chinese restaurant. Remember that? And you had to go up the stairs to get there? Not the Nankin. No, not the Nankin, no. This was Chinese sort of place? like a, where people went there when they couldn't get into the Nankin. On 5th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they tore that building down. Yeah. So that's why it's hard for me to picture it, because that's a, a big, big new building now. Yeah, it was like uh, all newer. the Nankin's full, we'll go over to whatever it was, and then you'd, you'd have to go up like three, st- three flights of stairs. God, what was that? I just can't remember the name. Was it by the Copper Squirrel? Uh, well, no, it was uh, it was just a uh, just a Why block. Is it every down. time the three of us get together, we talk about drinking in the '60s. Because we love to do it. That's Everybody why. else is like, we love to do it. Oh, wow. No car Chris, that's been closed for decades is fast. Kristen wants yeah. to talk about drinking in the '23s. In the '23s, which I do very little of. Now, you're not a big drinker, I bet. I am not. Hey, you don't seem for, like you'd be a big drinker. No, and first of all, I'm a lightweight, so one drink that is my limit. Two, it gets a little slurry and sloppy. I understand completely. It does happen. So what's new I'm in not your very life? Tall, so it doesn't have any places. How to tall go. are you? Five three. Uh, what's the average one? About five five. I would say five five Probably, to five six. Probably yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. So yeah, a couple of inches, no big deal. What's new in your life? Anything? Look, I, I will tell you. I, I, Catherine and I are burning through series like there's no tomorrow. We only got, we've already burned through about. 25 of them, and now we got a couple more that are on the edge. Apparently, Doug's got something to say. I got a new one for you that's terrific. Oh, you do? His Honor. Stars Brian Cranston. Yeah, I watched it. Oh, you watched yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Doesn't sound like you like it very much. That was yeah. Your Honor. Session to get through. It is called Your Honor. It's called Your Honor, not Sorry. His Honor. All right, I'll just be quiet. And, matter of fact, the seven, second season's not even called Your Honor, it's called something else. It is? I think so. That second season's nowhere near as good as the first season, though. Did you watch the second season? I'm, I'm halfway through the first. The first. Oh, yep. the first is much better. The second season's not very good. It gets very political, which I am so sick to death mm-hmm. of, I can't even tell you. But in any case, uh, so what's new? What, what, what should I be doing? What should I be looking forward to? Well, I'll tell you the big story that I'm covering this morning. Um, I'm still in the middle of it, but um, we've been talking a lot about Hollywood getting back to work. Writers Guild, they're back to work. SAG is still on strike, but Drew Barrymore is seeing the consequences of her actions. If you Uh-oh. remember, she was trying to go back to work in the middle of the WGA strike. She had three WGA writers on I her staff. Yep. Well, now that the strike is settled on the writer's side, they said, you know, Drew Barrymore said, we're ready for you to come back to work, gave them a new contract, and they quit. So. Um, And new details are kind of coming out about this whole situation. But when she decided to go back to work and cross the picket line, she didn't let the writers know that that was going to happen. They found out through the press. And I think that they just felt undervalued at that point that she made those decisions without even at least a phone call behind the scenes just saying, hey, this is where I'm at. We need to move forward business wise. So now they are interviewing writers desperately they premiere on October 16th, and it'll be interesting to see who winds up taking the job because right now the optics aren't great to take that job. Yeah, so what about how, how would they find somebody to take that job? I guess if there's a, there might be a writer that obviously they were out of work for five months. <laughs> 
someone's going to need to take the job. Yeah, most true. Likely. true. And, and someone will. Um, but they're going to have to come in with like a really fresh perspective and a fresh attitude because there are going to be some people in their own union who will feel upset at them for taking the job and working with Drew. Because I think a lot of people want to see her punished. And yeah. listen, she wasn't the only show that was trying to come back. She just became the scapegoat for all the entire situation. I have a question for you on that. And it, it did come up once already this morning. She is not going to be able to continue to do that job because no one will work with her. She's going to have to go away. Isn't that punishment enough? Why do they have to keep up? Look, she should not have done what she did. But why do people love to punish other human beings so much? I, I don't, I've never understood that. Well, it's, that's not enough punishment. I need to punish you more. It's like, settle down. I mean, she's going to find, she's definitely going to find writers to work with yeah. her. And the show will go on. I think the public, their attention span to the writer's strike and the ramifications of it, it's, it's short. They're not going to sit there and be upset with her. I think there's going to be people inside Hollywood yeah. that, of course, are going to be upset. And we'll move on. But obviously, shows like The View, The View ran all the way through the summer. Yep, it did. And they have WGA writers, and they didn't face half the wrath that Drew Barrymore did. And I Why? think because Drew Barrymore just made some PR blunders going, I'm going to be open and honest. And like that's how she is as a personality, <laughs> where the women at The View were like, we got to go to work. Well, you could it. you could tell she was embarrassed because she kept speaking out of the side of her mouth. That's not very she nice of you to does. say that. <laughs> oh, she goes. She always does. She does. <laughs> I she know makes, she, she does. She talks like she this does. if you've ever seen her on her show. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, that's completely like, the physical you. trait of hers. <laughs> Kristen, he's being a massive pain in the ass. I know what he ass. was saying, but I'm actually saying if you go and watch her now, you're not going to be able to see. <laughs> Look at her mouth again, because she does talk like this. I'm just stunned that Mike watches that show, quite honestly. Oh, I never missed an episode. That was it. You're all what show was it, it again? <laughs> <laughs> what was the Drew name? Drew Barrymore of? on the Drew Barrymore show. The Drew Barrymore show. <laughs> I, I still have to ask you, and I've never understood it. Why does anyone watch The View? It is the worst show on television. All it is is we hate you and we're going to punish you. That's the whole show. I will tell you because my friend is in the Ugh. audience today. I have found that a lot of my gay male friends absolutely love The View. I know. My uncle Why? never misses it. My friends, they are in the audience today. They're visiting New York, and that was one of their must-haves. They are obsessed with Whoopi. They are obsessed with Joy Behar. They love the shouting, and I think it's really funny. I'm like, why is it all of my gay male friends? You know, I really loved... Whoopi Goldberg until I found out that Goldberg wasn't her real name. Yeah, the, the, found out she wasn't just, a Jew. Just crushed me. I thought I for understand. sure you were related. Yeah, I thought <laughs> you're my cousin. Third cousin. Mm -hmm. Isn't she actually like Cheryl Jones or something? Cheryl like that? Johnson. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, yeah. it was a yeah. pretty conventional name. Yeah, I don't understand how anyone can watch that show. I just don't get it. Well, I went through a situation like you know maybe it is Kristen because you meet all of these people that have been in these shows. You, you, you meet them, whether they appear on your show or you cover their show or whatever it is, and you go, I, that's not a very nice pro. What's that guy's name again? I can never remember his name because he's such a prick. He's got that new snake oil show. What? Oh, there's a, there's a new game show called Snake Oil. It's oh, been oh. out for about a week. Okay. And what's the, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, David Spade. David Spade. Oh, okay. David Spade. I cannot stand him. That sounds like the kind of show you want the merch. Because that show's going away really quickly. <laughs> they kind of seems collector's like item, yeah. This is called filler this fall season. Yeah. Can yeah. we get a celebrity to host a game show? Because we have no content for you on the scripted side. <laughs> yeah, they, there is there any content? Or when is there going to be content? Um, I think the good news is that the writers are all back to work on most of the, the shows that have been renewed. Um, so they're back at the table. They're writing. Um, obviously, we have no actors to get those, bring those scripts to life. But um, the more that they can write, the, and the sooner the actors' strike is over, I'm hoping we start seeing new shows right at the first of the year. Yeah, that'd um, be great. If the, if the actor strike ended today, which it's not going to because they're not even meeting today. They're not meeting until tomorrow. But if it ended today, I would bet we would have a couple of episodes before the holiday. But I just I don't see that happening. I think first of the year is probably the safest bet. God, everybody's going on strike. Now, Who there were three more strikes because the auto industry's on strike. Some of them, not all. An airline. Airlines hotel on workers. strike. Hotel yeah. workers are on strike. Well, 
Why is everyone on strike? Uh, nurses, what? too. Nurses, too? Oh, no, yeah. Kaiser, Ed, um, yeah, Kaiser's on. Yep, Kaiser Permanente. So a question um, I have. I, I know from uh, it was considered a hot labor summer. And I think a lot of issues came up in the pandemic when it came to especially people out there on the front line mm-hmm. and working conditions. I think people did a lot of discussing discussing on TikTok about why why is a CEO making four hundred million dollars and some of the workers are scraping by in some states. It's like $7.50 for minimum wage, which is astonishing to me in 2023. Why is there such a disparity in income? And obviously the job descriptions are very different, but people have really just discussed like saying, you know, we're not going to take this anymore. There was some strike that I saw last night and they're asking for, I believe it was $52,000 a year as a base salary. Mm -hmm. Can you live in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles at fifty-two grand a year? Yeah, try that in San Francisco. Try that in San Francisco. Oh, I mean, honestly, try that in, in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, like, do if you live outside. Yeah, you don't have. You can't have a house or anything like that. Yeah, poverty level in Los Angeles is now considered seventy-five thousand dollars. Seventy-five thousand dollars. So when I see, you know, it's like when you look through when you see jobs in the listings in yeah, California, you yep. have to advertise what the salary is now. And they're like 40,000. I'm like, no one's going to take that job. But I mean, that, I can't remember which strike it was around, but they're, they're looking at 52 grand a year per employee. I think that might have been the Kaiser permanent day one. You might be right about that. But You'd I thought, have to work two or three other jobs. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're on strike and they're still not going to get a livable wage. So, People are just going to have to start leaving the cities. It's going to happen. Yeah, Guaranteed. You know you're right about that. The cities are going to start flooding. I think Generation Alpha is going to get out of the cities as quickly as they can. Probably. Now, who's Generation Alpha? Uh, that would be the one after Z. Okay, and what age group is that? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. They're, they're under 18. They're very young. Oh, they're under the 18. Okay. Uh, 2010 and on. So 13 would be the oldest generation alphas oh 13 would mm. they so, might they might wind up being a little cynical don't you think that's what i'm thinking <laughs> yes hey you might be yeah, right they're all going to become hermits and live on a subsistence farm i think but the sad thing for me Kristen, is that streaming television has never been better it's phenomenal right and that bubble has burst yeah and now it's burst <laughs> and now it's burst because the business model is not sustainable God. and so we are going to see a, a whole shift and everything. And I, like I said, I think the numbers I was calling out, I was like, we had 600 scripted series in 2022. They're expecting moving forward. It's going to be half that, 300 a year. Really? You're going to see such a shift in content once we get back to work. So this all has to do with the bad economy, I suppose. It had a lot to do with it. What, how did this happen? How did no one see this coming? Hollywood likes to put all their eggs in one basket. And they're like, <laughs> okay. we're going to make so much money off of streaming. You just wait. Yep. They made these huge deals with high-profile producers and actors, and they're just, like, tossing money. When all of a sudden they realize, oh, wait, we actually still need movie theaters. Yep. We still need advertising. That Netflix model of, like, hey, you can just watch a TV show uninterrupted. Everyone's offering ad-tier-based services because they mm-hmm. need the advertising dollars on their side as well. So all the good TV is going to go away. It's wonderful. It's not going to go away. It's just going to be in a more curated, limited quantity. It's going to be quality over quantity. I mean, if you look at some of the movies that are on Netflix, some of you're like, Mm -hmm. how? I didn't even know this came out. They were throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like, what's going to hit? Yep. Yeah, movies right now are not very good. You know, the Poirot movie we just saw was good, but that's Agatha Christie. Of course it was good. Right. You know. And it's going to, you know, what we're moving in, we'll start moving into the Oscar season. And so, you know, there'll be like dramatic fare available. But I think we, when we had that conversation uh, with Michelle Mann, I mean, she just, she even understood like this landscape has changed completely and people are embracing event movies. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought about that after, after the show we did with Michelle Mann, the Mann Theaters. Uh, they own theaters all across the country. At one time owned most of them, I think, at, at some point. Yeah. But they own the Grauman's Chinese Theater. Yep. One of the legendary yep. theater. Always going to be a man's in my eyes. It always will. Yeah, you're right. Man's, man's Chinese here. Theater. It's yeah. what I grew up with. It's what it will always be. Yeah, TCL doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. That's true. But wouldn't you, if your family bought that theater, 
Wouldn't you just go and take a sleep overnight in the theater one night just to say you did it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? Of course I would. I'd go sleep at Grauman's Chinese. Yeah. Right? That'd be so fun. <laughs> my, my kids and I went to see a, a, one of Woody Allen's 3,000 movies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was like 2 in the afternoon. It was just called like Movie 947. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. And, and there was no one in the theater except me and my kids. So I'd, I'd, every now and then I'd just stand up and yell, Sit down out there! <laughs> just for the hell of it. Yeah. Yeah, that because is kind I of sad. Uh, you, they need, well, the, the biggest problem that they do have, and we're talking to Michelle about that, too, they, they, what they did at the Edina Theater is so gorgeous. Yeah. They've redone all the seating. All of, It's just magnificent. I, I went there yesterday. To oh, you watch, did? Yeah, I watched uh, Dumb Money, which was fine movie but like the experience of yeah the gold bar everything was so like they still had the barbie box out front yeah, which was cool to see exactly. but like the seats if they reclined anymore it might as well have just been a mattress like it was so comfortable i know the oh, heat, oh, it was amazing like the i'll heat, never go to another theater. nap <laughs> yeah oh Kristen, it's the, the theater is just what they did to that theater is just magnificent and that's the other thing too is like the because she mentioned she wanted to keep it like cost friendly for families to yes, go like yep. i think i spent like 43 dollars on two tickets like popcorn a drink some candy it, like it was very cheap like i'm used to going mm-hmm. and spending like 80 dollars and oh yeah, yeah to the yeah, one dinner will set you over a hundred dollars now yeah. oh yeah well, remember the uh was it the uptown theater was that uh, the one right on hennepin avenue Yep, and, and just, just short of Lake Street. Lagoon, yeah, Lagoon and, and, yeah, and that was that theater. Uh, I think they they did not remodel it. They didn't do any uh, any any uh, any any upgrades at all for like what seventy years or it's something. About right, yeah. So you know, you'd sit down, and the first thing that would happen was the spring in the yeah. seat. It would be it'd be like, oh, I just had a colonoscopy. Mm. Yeah. For free though. Yeah, for free. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I loved it though. Now they're redoing that. Is that going to reopen as an, at a venue? It's not going to be a movie theater, I don't think. Yeah. Because the lagoon's right across the, the street. The lagoon kind of did them in too. There were four theaters within one block at one point because there was the there was the lagoon theater. There was Uptown. There was the what was the one that was just south just south of Lake. Oh, oh yeah, I know which one. Was it like Renata? Was it the World Theater? The Suburban World. Yeah, suburban that's World. Right. Yeah. It was the Suburban World, and there was one more too. Yeah. At theaters everywhere over there at one point. But that at one point for me was one of my favorite places to hang out when I was a teenager in my early 20s. Oh, yeah. I loved that neighborhood, man. It was right by the lakes. You could take a walk around the lakes. There's a lot of great restaurants. Mm-hmm. Are they trying to bring it back now? Well, yeah. they're trying for sure. But Good. it's, you know, the thing is, it used to be like you could, I'd run around Lake of the Isles. Mm-hmm. And then I just walked to Uptown. Yep. But now I start running in Uptown. In Uptown. You just start running because yeah. you don't like gunfire? Well, you know, in its place. You don't want to yeah. be stabbed? There's a place for it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a place well, for no, it. They are trying to bring Uptown back. They've got the God. Ties bar and restaurant that just opened oh, up yeah. there there's uh daisies which is the old uh cowboy slims location on the corner sure it's um, a really good a, music club called the green room there yep yeah oh yeah the green room there's yep. a, a place called roomba that's like a i guess like a latin afro beats type of place that's opened up over there so yeah they're trying to bring it back for everybody i got it going right now what do you think Kristen? I'm That's dancing up the storm. I want to go to that club. <laughs> no, I, it was honestly. Well, you lived here. You you know the uptown area. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been there in. The last time I was here, I lived in Minnesota. Was 2004. It's been a while. I've lived here my whole life. I've no. I don't know the yeah. uptown area. Well, I will tell you this, Andy. That the, the one scary thing about that is my grandfather, my father's father, uh, who was born, I believe, in like 1888 or something like that. We're on the corner of Hennepin and Lake Street. And he goes, you know, I got to tell you something. I said, what's that? And he goes, when I was your age, I went hunting on this corner. That's <laughs> so wild. He was well, deer hunting on but, that corner. Like, what? People are still going hunting. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that's true. And then you said, crap, I didn't know this was wilderness. And he said, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it, wasn't. it was just the deer. We opened a fire on the deer. What is it? The most dangerous game <laughs> yep, or whatever? The most oh, dangerous yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm like, what? You went. He said this was all just farmland when he well, was a little boy. Yeah, that's borderline what I was talking like when we went to Dayton. Oh yeah, Melissa and I went to Dayton like 15 years because we left 2005 ish. Yep, it was 2005. And then yep. yeah, we went back in like 2020. 
Yeah, so 15 years. And I was like, all this crap wasn't here when I left. Oh, none of it. We could no, have owned this right. all. We could have owned yeah. all this land for $10 an acre, and now it's $10 million dollars an acre. people who used to live near Disneyland. Oh, God, oh, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, they always have memories of it, and they're like, wow, this place has changed so much. Mm-hmm. It just got swallowed up by progress. Is that what happened? Got swallowed up by Mickey Mouse. Yeah. By Mickey, oh. yes, by Mickey Mouse. Yeah, mean, and they're constantly expanding it. They're they're trying to buy. It's not like Orlando where there's acres and acres to continually expand. Mm-mm. In Anaheim, it's a set footprint. Unless you know a mm-hmm. hotel sell chain sells some of their property to Disney or whatever. But they, in the years since I've even been here, they've knocked down parts of the old Disneyland hotel and build up extra parts of the park because they're just trying to expand any way they can. I think that's wonderful. Uh, any good? Now, I do want to, and I, we talked about this with Michelle Mann when she was in the studio, I want to start going back to the movies because the movie theaters are very comfortable now. They're not The movie theaters in Minnesota, and I suppose around the country, got pretty trashy after a while. The seats weren't comfortable anymore. They'd gotten very old. But now they're redoing it. But the problem is, they got to put some good movies. I I don't want to mm-hmm. go see these superhero movies. I have no interest in that. Well, Melissa, you why, I watched a new look, movie. Though, there's a lot of old movies that they put on the big screen. If you haven't seen them on the big screen before, like you need to check and see if they're rerunning a film, like a classic film. The Godfather. That's fun to go and see on the big screen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What were you saying, Angie? Is Melissa and I watched a new movie for once. Mm-hmm. We watched uh, Elemental. No, it's, what's Elemental again? Oh, was that Gar? It's the new Pixar movie. Is it good? Yeah, it came out this summer. Yes, it's not like super new, but it's new to us. Because I mean, we're, we're the other thing we're watching right now is Home Improvement. So, oh, yeah, Home Improvement. Uh, <laughs> did you like Alan? Did you like Elemental? Uh, it was. Jesus, what's that? Go ahead. <laughs> it was better than I expected it to be right. for sure. Because a lot of people are saying they didn't like it. Yeah. And it was. It had issues with the plot, for sure. Yeah. There were a lot of plot points that, like, kind of didn't even need to be there. They were just like, oh, we need a driving force to make the characters do what we want them to do. But then it's like, okay, they've done it, and now this driving force is kind of a non-issue. It's very weird. I'm not going to spoil it because it's a newish movie. Yeah. But the writing and the characters and everything were good. I would call it probably... I don't know. Did it kind of did it kind of fall in the inside out kind of realm where nowhere near as good as inside out. Oh, okay. What? I was inside out. Inside out's the movie about the emotions. Yeah. Um Joy who was uh, Amy Poehler? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then like anger and so that sort of thing. Yeah. There's a sequel of that coming out. Oh, yeah, there really? is, which is going to be in t- I wonder if they're going to mess it up. I kind of feel like they're going to mess it up. Probably. <laughs> I know. It was such are. a good movie. It was such a good message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Pixar, they've lost a little bit of their magic, you yeah. know, um, and it's been one of those things. They're trying to sort of like recapture that audience. They found that Gen Z is not as into Pixar as millennials were. Well, that makes sense. It was yeah, a huge part of their childhood. And now Gen Z is like, yeah, you know, I don't like run to the movies to go see the latest Pixar movie, but they're also just not running to the movies in general. Mm-hmm. Well, millennials remember when having like a 3D rotating cube on the screen blew your mind for blew like a mind. month. Forever. You'd watch it and try to see if it was going to hit the corner kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's like, whoa, it's 3D? I can't believe it. Uh, Toy, Toy Story 1 is oh, I just one re- of the ugliest movies ever made. It was insane, though, but I but remember back going, then, oh, I, God. I, I, I remember our whole family went to Toy Story 2 and we're like ready for round two. Like we were so Toy excited. Toy Story 2 looked a lot better. But, but the, I mean, the we, early Pixar movies, very ugly. We just wanted a taste of what Toy Story 1 gave to us. Yeah, we exactly. Were, we all went as a family. Like our whole family would not go now to like Elemental. But well, that's the thing. It's movies of any sort aren't unique anymore. They're not novel. That's It's true. like there's nothing new that the movie theater can really do. There's no that's like true. this is the big new thing. We lived through... Sphere? We lived through... um. 3D, yeah. IMAX, yeah, we've basically seen Live all. Live action is just like when's, no, what like was when the they... last? What was the last big advancement in movie theater technology? Like when the. Lion King came out with like the live action, like that was the big. Oh, thing. you're seeing, yeah, because yeah. like live action in general is just people that's, on the screen. Yeah, okay. But I think the next like, big thing. I know, you but know when you I first meant. said that, yeah. I was like, well, that's the initial. No, like the live action. 
My and favorite live action movie yeah. is Casablanca. I think the next big thing <laughs> is going to be Olders. I Odors. do wonder. They're going to have to include like half they dicks or They tried Smell-O-Vision. Smell-O-Vision, yeah. yeah. But you guys, it's the, the sphere. We have the to go sphere. see the I sphere. I think you're right, Britt. I think it, you're right. Let's go be just in yeah. awe of how the big something sphere. is. Yeah, the Las Vegas sphere. Kristen, when is the next uh, Gen V release coming out? Today. Today? Oh, my yeah, gosh. Perfect. I know Friday, what I'm doing so. now. I know, it's not exciting. You have something to watch for the weekend. Yeah. I've got a rogue cat between the microphone cord. Yeah, because other than that, it's I'm watching Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix, which I'm, I think I'm hate-watching at this point. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, I feel that, too. I've done yep. that quite a bit. I hate-watching just like that on HBO. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for your report. We appreciate what you do for America in this show. So Yeah, Tom just decided <laughs> to leave. So. We'll, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow, though, right? <laughs> um... I, I, I have to be on set tomorrow, so I'll, Andy, I'll text you. Okay. Sounds good. All right, we'll be back here on the Tom Bernard Morning Show. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. Listen live at TomBernardShow.com or on the Tom Bernard Show app. Bundling and saving with GEICO is an easy choice, so you're free to ponder life's big questions, like what's the best animal in the world if not humans? I'd strongly consider ducks to be somewhere up there on the list. Think about it. Ducks can swim, ducks can fly, and ducks can walk on land. They have access to all terrains. They are the ultimate animal. And they wiggle their butts when they walk, which is funny. Yeah, ducks are awesome. End of story. Bundling and saving with Geico. It's an easy choice. Where are we on the line? It's official. Avery is producing Main Street Music Days. We need to be ready. We're going to have lots of people. What's the status on the new sound engineer? They need an audio technician to keep things level from sound checks to encores. Make sure audio from one stage does not compete with another. Indeed can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Our hiring platform instantly connects you with quality candidates, and you can schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from the Indeed dashboard. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Have you Googled yourself lately? Are there negative posts from an ex-employee or from a former client? Maybe an outdated news article or sensitive personal information about your family? Search engines don't always get it right. For right or wrong, it's your reputation on the line. That's where Reputation Defender by Norton comes in. One of the most trusted names in online reputation repair. Reputation Defender has been fixing people's search results for over 15 years. Their cutting-edge approaches help you to wipe away unwanted information in your search results. They also promote the good stuff so that it rises to the top, helping you put your best foot forward. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. Take control with Reputation Defender. You can start by getting your free Reputation Report Card at reputationdefender.com or call 800-401-6681 to speak to an expert. That's 800-401-6681. I'm Dr. Stork. Eggs are a staple in our diets, and there's only one egg with more delicious farm-fresh taste plus superior nutrition. Eggland's best. With more vitamins, including six times more vitamin D and 10 times more vitamin E, plus 25% less saturated fat than ordinary eggs. Available in so many delicious varieties. Classic, cage-free, and organic. Eggland's best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show podcast. That's Tom actually Bernard, a lie. He's Tom not Bernard bad. is not it's actually. Actually, right. not at all. Happening. He'll be here in a moment. It's fine. Um, yeah, baby. That's how I channel Tom Bernard. This came out on ABC News yesterday, and I thought Wait, it was. You didn't say a little news, little information. Little news, little information. Let's do the weather quick. Right. Uh, just kidding. Um. <laughs> This came out yesterday. I thought it was interesting to hear you guys' take on it. ABC News is reporting that the say goodbye to the COVID-19 vaccination card, the CDC has stopped printing them. So... Oh, they're collector's I, items now. Yeah. I would, I would have assumed they stopped printing them, like... Three years ago? Yeah. yeah. For real. I don't think I've ever seen one in my life. Really? What? You didn't? No. I've never seen huh. a person actually, like presenting one i've been really? to the doctor a lot it's in the, the only past. way to get yeah. on airplanes and then to yeah. restaurants yeah. no i was mine is up to date i, I know that i got five five of them on there um i've been watching you got the, the rookie card and everything the rookie card. Yeah. yeah i've yeah. been watching the That's morning right. show yeah and this the last episode we saw was a flashback to COVID, and it was so well done i just it's i've already repressed what it was like with everybody wearing masks i'm not ready it was, for... it was like the pre 
uh, inoculation COVID when everybody's just dying like crazy. Well, you're in season three? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not, I don't want to, season two at the tail end of season two, they, the morning show really hit like this is the beginning of COVID and it mm-hmm. felt so triggering and I watched it, but I like yeah, wanted to know that season three. Don't watch this episode because it's right in the middle of season three. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'm not it ready really to like rem- like to sit in, in that again. This is oh. what what being married is like when you get to a certain age. You just watch every show there is. Pretty, Pretty much, much, yeah. Because yeah. it's sort of sad yeah. to me. But not that my life isn't sad. But you know, I can't. I I, <laughs> I don't have a job, Mike. My other my other <laughs> option is to sit in the corner. Oh yeah. And Do cry. you want to uh, talk about that? We'll talk about that well, on car selling secrets. Okay. I mean, you know, that's why we have gambling, for example. Oh, yeah, that's a great use of time. Yeah, I find it's it. It's math. Yeah, it's well, good for your brain. You yeah, know. it's good for your brain. It's it's only bad if you lose. Well, even like, so in the dumb money movie that I saw, like, yeah, they had everybody's wearing masks and stuff, and it's like this big, it feels so far ago, or long ago. Like, it doesn't, like, it's hard to even comprehend that we went oh, yeah. through all well, of that. Well, cold, it's over unless it kills you. Right. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's funny to think, so I have a card for every time I've gotten my vaccines because I lose everything. So it's funny, like me and Gelfin are such different people. He's like, I've got it all on one card. I'm like, I have like 45 cards in different <laughs> spots. Some are Margot, some are Justin, some are mine. But um, yeah, it's weird to think, Andy, you never had to like present one or saw someone. Like, that was like a big no, thing. No, I flew. I went to hospitals, did all the things. Yeah. Well, here I feel like it wasn't as big a deal necessarily. Like, But if like I went to New York, right after covid and it was like if you didn't have your vaccine card or like the passport on your phone yeah you couldn't even like get into a grocery store but again it was easy to fake because they were just oh, yeah. i well, mean sure. printed so it's kind of funny where it's like when you watch that adam ruins everything and he ruins like airport security to you where you mm-hmm. go this is just a f- something to make everyone feel comfortable it was the same yeah. kind of thing if somebody they were go, oh, yeah or we'll just take a picture of it like okay mm-hmm. so is anyone checking your name no there's nothing it was all no no, no, I, I hate to be uh, I hate to be a downer here, you know. Shocking, <laughs> really. But but um, after you attack Doug for watching TV, so yeah, right. well, I, uh, listen, I've only begun to do that. Uh, but um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the 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 problem is we're going to have someday we're going to have something like I mean it could just be another terrible example of COVID, but it could be something like a, a another polio epidemic. Mm-hmm. I mean that will probably happen because there's so many people who aren't getting vaccinated for anything. And when that happens, you know, we're going to have like tens of millions of people die because we got all these people now who are saying, oh, no, no, these people are dying because they're getting vaccinated. People believe that crap. But Gelfand, okay, and I'm not saying you're wrong, and I'm, I love vaccines. I would take, if you just handed me a pill right now, I'd take it. I got oh, no problem. Them, sure. I'd take anything. I don't care. But how is that helpful to verbalize that there could be a polio like mm-hmm. what it's, we've been talking about that for a decade remember when aids was going to kill literally everyone on earth like how is it, it helpful to say that it killed a lot of people and it would still be doing it if they hadn't come up with uh, some solutions yeah but like how is it helpful to say that poll like I, you know you go this is going to happen like how is that like because we are living in an entirely different political social economic era now where you've got all these people all these maggots like joe rogan and and aaron Rodgers, and and then the list goes on who are telling everyone don't get a vaccine vax it's a fraud it's a hoax it ain't a hoax though all those people who died of covid that's not a hoax but now you've got like 35 percent of the population who won't get vaccinated for anything anymore yeah so, and we haven't had that before. Um, I lived through the polio epidemic. Uh, I was very, very little kid, but yeah. my brother had polio, and it, it was really savaged him. Yeah. He was five years old. It's terrible. Five or six years old. And I and and when people when the vaccine when the Salk vaccine came along, people could not wait to get that vaccine. But that won't be what happens next time. People will be saying, no, no, it's a fraud. It's a government hoax. Mm -hmm. So how many people do you think will die then? And I think it's something that's worth talking about because I think that we're seeing, we're starting to see what these these science deniers are going to do to this country and and to the world in general. Washington Post came out with a big piece the last couple of days about how how many far more money people far more people in the south are dying of covid and, and other diseases because these are people I get who are I get being what you're saying but what I'm trying to convey is like being aggressive towards that group is not going to ever convince them no, absolutely to not. take 
no, that's a vaccine. No. No. So, like, my question I'm asking you is, like, what's a productive way mm-hmm. than calling anyone a maggot? Mm-hmm. Like, what is a more productive way of convincing people, like, this is a good thing No, you for can't you? convince people. No, no, those people cannot be convinced. And that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, but I would just like to, I would like to lay this out because if there's anyone on the fence, I hope they will understand that these people who are denying science— they're, they're liars. And in, in many cases, like the Joe Rogans, they're doing it for money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, or just fame. and just Or, just, or, mm-hmm. or political. I mean, event. I don't know how many times we found out somebody would claim to be an anti-vaxxer and then you find out that right. they're vaxxed. Yep. They right. have all the vaccines. Oh, sure. So it's like either that or they just know their audience and they're pandering. Yep. Like, Well, that's it. Yeah. Pandering is, is what's going on. It's going on in politics. It's going on in science. It's going on in so many ways. So the solution... To uh, to the uh, COVID problem is what is to incarcerate Fauci. Yeah, I mean, my God, what has happened? Well, can't hurt, right? Let's <laughs> <laughs> give it a t- give it a go. <laughs> He's got it coming. I love Andy. I, I can't it. hurt, right? Put him in jail, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like, like astrology. You never know what's going to happen until you try it, right? right. Well, I mean, it was good enough for Galileo. It's good enough for Fauci. Exactly. Right? So funny. instead of Mercury being in in, in Venus, it's a politician <gasps> in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mercury better not be in Venus. I don't know. I, I'm just I don't know astrology. <laughs> I don't. Terms. I don't know either. No. I just like to. Lean no, no, into they're the not in other planets. They're in constellations. I think so. Yeah. It'd be like Mercury and Sagittarius. I well, no, I thought it was think? always in retrograde. If things are in retrograde, I just remember I have an excuse I know to retrograde, be mean to everybody. <laughs> but I don't know what it means. I, I just know the word retrograde because it sounds smart. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I was impressed. So what I'm gauging is that you're not a big astrology person. No. Near Andy. But I like to claim it. I like to ask people what they are and then go, so t- wait, what are you? Um, Aries. Oh, my God. You're Dude, such that's, an I have Aries. A, I, have a, I have a friend that's, that, that's like that. He, I love that. I'll say something. He'll be like, that's just so Aries. That's you. such and an like, Aries. Shut uh, up. It's my favorite thing. It just piss people off. Because if you look at me, you look at me and you go, she loves astrology. Like, there's yeah. something. I got that vibe of, like, yeah. she mm-hmm. definitely dresses her pets. And she loves horoscopes. Reeks of patchouli oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Melissa's told me her sign multiple times. I still don't remember it. I when, is it when, are, when is she born? Uh, late December. I don't know. Oh, well, of course. That's one of those Decemberites. I know. Capricorn, isn't it? I, I don't know. It could I be. I don't even know. I don't know Tom, Ethan's sign, even though our birthdays are a week apart. I think Tom and Justin are both Scorpios. Yeah, I am too. I am. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of Scorpios in one room. Oh, oh. oh man. Fear yeah, the sting yeah. of the scorpion. I, I miss scorpion. I miss the days when people read newspapers and when there was always the astrology. Yeah, the horoscopes mm, every time. I yeah. love it. I, that's actually you a nice icebreaker. You are going ice to find breaker. a dollar today. When right. I would have that in my hand, I would say, "What's your sign?" I'd read it to people just because, like, I end up in rooms with people I just met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then like, because horoscopes—they're all just so vague that yeah. you can. It's always I can like you'll have some dots. Imagine if that was your me. job back in I the day know. to write the horoscope column. I know. So you will like have a... luck at some point right. in the future. Right. You guys, some of them are specific, and it gets a little weird. Where I... it's like, do not go to that party tonight. And you're like, I <laughs> oh, if I was the guy writing the fortunes, I'd definitely be like, you're going to find a dollar on the corner of Fifth Avenue. Yeah. One never, of these people out there will. Find a dollar at a street somewhere. Because I'm going to go out there and search for well, it. Exactly. Yeah, and one reason I like going to Chinese restaurant is, be- is because of the fortune cookie. Because when I crack that open and I read my fortune, generally it's the only good news I'll have all week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys. I- I leave for 10 minutes, nothing just falls apart. You don't know. We had great. We fixed a lot yeah, of stuff. Ratings went up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the ratings shot through the roof. Yeah. Can I bring our guests in? Well, I think we have a guest. Our guest. Yeah. About the crash you're out. Oh. I know. I was gonna. That's why I was gonna help you know, transition. You're out of the mix. I, know, I was gonna help transition. Get okay. away from I'm me. I'm unplugging. <laughs> okay. Brittany's out of here.